We've been doing a sermon series called What Gospel Do You Believe? My first uh, sermon in this series was That's Not the Gospel. And uh, <clears throat> last week I, I preached a message. How many of you were he here last week? Yeah, awesome. Well, did you have a good time last week? All right, if it sounds like I'm stalling, I am because I accidentally went to push my iPad and I turned it off. There's an on and off button down here. <laughs> what an inconvenient place. You know, yesterday we had a memorial service for someone who had passed away. And if there were 30 people here, that's probably a lot. Pastor Tom, would you agree? Where's Pastor Tom? Okay, he just stepped out. <laughs> Pastor Carlos, would I be correct? Maybe about 30 people. I'd be correct. Five to seven hands went up to accept Jesus Christ. Amen. We are always making a call for salvation because this is part of the gospel. Amen. Absolutely. Okay. So we're doing a series entitled, uh, What Gospel Do You Believe? And uh, <clears throat> last week, my title was, What is the Gospel of the Kingdom of God? And I made a very important point, and I've heard many of you talking about it throughout the week, sometimes in the prayer meeting, sometimes in the office. Uh, I shared on... Uh, some grammatical tenses and things that we miss in the English transla translation of things that Jesus said, statements that he made. For example, in Luke chapter 10 last week, I pointed out that Jesus sent out the 72 disciples, told them to go house to house. Now that's chapter 10. In the prior chapter, he sent out the 12 with the same instructions, chapter 10, he sends out 72 with the same instructions. And he says, go house to house and tell them. In fact, he says, go house to house, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near. And in the Greek, we saw that that word near, is a perfect tense word, and it's used 14 times in the Gospels, and it means the perfect tense carries two ideas. One, completed action, the kingdom of God has come, and continuing action, meaning the kingdom of God is still happening. And the conclusion of that is that the perfect tense in Greek is used to describe a completed action which produced results, and they're still in effect all the way up to the present. So Jesus sent his disciples to preach the kingdom of God is here. In other words, it is now, it came into existence on earth, and all the benefits of the kingdom are being experienced and are available to us right now. Amen, absolutely. I can see some people still excited from last week. <laughs> All right, today we're going to look at Luke chapter 11, just for a split second. In chapter 11, verse 1, uh, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples how to pray. Now, I want you to think about this here for a moment. The disciples had been seeing Jesus do extraordinary miracles. In fact, even though he gave them authority and they went out and they started to do miracles, there was the odd occasion where when they went to pray for someone, they're trying to cast out an evil spirit behind the issue and they're having difficulty and Jesus walks up and the little boy's dad says, your disciples were praying for my son, but the demon threw him into the fire. This happens regularly, but they could not cast him out. And Jesus said, oh, guys, you still don't really believe it. 
you still don't really get it. And so Jesus, in this particular passage, sets out and he prays. And his disciples, obviously, having walked with him up until this point, saw the power, saw the energy. They saw things happen that never happened in their religious world. And so they said to Jesus, teach us how to pray just like John taught his disciples. And so I want to take you to the full version of the Lord's Prayer as is recorded by the disciple uh, Matthew. So if you have your Bible with me, turn to Matthew chapter 6. And I want to show you some very interesting, amazing, fascinating points about what Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer. This then, starting with verse 9, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Now, last week I showed you that how in the Greek perfect tense, what the scripture actually means literally is somewhat lost in translation in the English. When we say, Jesus said, go house to house and tell people the kingdom of God is near, everything is relative. What's near? Bill is near me. But so is Jim up the back. Jim is near me. In relationship to anybody who lives in Antarctica, Jim is near me. In fact, someone who is 20 miles away from me, in relation to anyone who lives in the Antarctica, a 20-mile-away person is near me. Everything is relative. So when Jesus says, go tell people the kingdom of God is near, what exactly does that mean? In the English translation, the way it's written, it can be ambiguous. It is not definitive. But in the Greek, it is written in the perfect tense, the present tense. And what it means is the kingdom of God has come. And because it has come, we live under that government and we are reaping the benefits of something that has already happened. Can I get an amen here? Anybody excited about that? Absolutely. Now Jesus says, I want to teach you, uh, well, the disciples said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Everyone look at me. How many of you agree Jesus had the handle on everything? So if Jesus says, this is how you should pray, do you think it's time to take out our pens and our notebook and say, okay, he's going to teach us something really important. Hello? He didn't say, just say whatever comes to your mind. In this passage of scripture, Jesus doesn't give us a set of words that we can pray like we've been taught to do a rosary bead. Now, in this prayer, he's not teaching parrot fashion, word by word, say these words. How many of you know that life isn't a Hella, Helen Steiner Rice I love you card? We can't just read what somebody else wrote when we want to communicate to the people around us that are near and dear to us. Whether it's as good as uh, Helen Steiner Rice and the things she writes and all of those great cards and all these other authors, whether we can say it as well as them or we say it in our own fumbling, broken way, it's more relevant, it's more honest, it's more true when we say something that comes from our heart. Amen? So Jesus isn't trying to give us word for word, memorize this, it's a lucky charm. And if you say these words and count your beads, a miracle's going to happen. That's not what Jesus is doing. When you study this method of teaching, he is teaching principles. And principles lay out a format but the words can change, but the principles and the format are there. And so he says, when you pray, start by saying, 
Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, I could do a whole sermon on that, not because I'm brilliant, but because there are so many names of God, and every one of God's names, they describe another attribute of who he is. I mentioned earlier, while we were getting ready for tithes and offerings, that God's name is Jehovah Jireh, I am the Lord who provides for you. There are nine compound names for, the, for God. And when Jesus said, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, he's not only saying, blessed is your name, he's referring us to become conscious of the names of God because the names of God reveal the character of God and the character of God brings us back into focus and brings us to a place of faith. Can I get an agreement here? Come on. Absolutely. But then he says, your kingdom come. And in the English, in translation, it almost sounds, your kingdom come. It's futuristic. It's somewhere off in the future, and we're praying for it to come. Now, forget what I preached last week for a moment. But how many of you can agree that either in the past you've thought that way or at least you can agree it can sound like Jesus is telling us to pray, oh God, can't wait till your kingdom comes. Can I get an agreement? And religiously, that's what we've been taught to pray. And I want to show you that that doesn't line up with the gospel of the kingdom of God. We've preached a gospel of repentance, forgiveness of sins, and we've got salvation. We're going to heaven. Jesus did not preach the gospel of repentance and forgiveness of sins, and you're going to heaven. He preached the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, and it includes if you repent and accept Jesus Christ, you'll be born again and go to heaven, but it includes a whole lot more than just that. Amen. When you don't say amen, I'm going to say amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Let me just do something here. Um, I need to set this up so it doesn't keep turning off on me. There you go. You see that? The devil's not the only one who wants to turn me off. All right. So when Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, the word come in the Greek, we're going to have a look at it in just a moment. It's the word erkomahi, and I'm going to explain that. But before I explain that, I want to tell you something really quick, short, and, and to the point. When I was a much younger preacher than I am today, uh, I remember specifically where I was sitting. How many of you remember events that happened that were so monumental in your life, you remember exactly where you were? How many of you remember where you were 9-11? All right. Those of you that are a little bit older, how many of you remember where you were when John F. Kennedy was assassinated? Okay, we got less hands because we got a younger congregation. I remember exactly where I was. I was in PS32, Flushing, Queens, and I was in the hallway, and I heard a teacher running down the, the hallway of the school, the president has been shot, okay? I remember the day I was preparing a sermon, and the Holy Spirit said something to me that at the time I thought was absolutely crazy. I thought it was, it was ridiculous. And I know it's the Holy Ghost because a thought came out of left field into my head and now I'm arguing. And I want to assure you, I'm not in the habit of walking around arguing with myself. I'm a little bit more stable than that. Unfortunately, at times I do argue with the voice of God. And when a thought comes out of left field and he talks to me, sometimes I think, no, that would be crazy if I did that. And this is what happened. I'm preparing a sermon. I'm at my desk in the back room that we used to rent out in Beanie Street, uh, Dubbo, New South Wales. 
And he said, look up the word come. And I said, that is the dumbest thing I ever heard. Come means come in any language. And again, this voice inside my head said, look up in your Strong's exhaustive concordance. That's a concordance that brings you back to the Greek or to the Hebrew, depending if you're reading Old Testament or New Testament. Look up the word come. And I thought, that is ridiculous. I love looking up the Greek, but come means come. Third time. Sounds a little bit similar, like the, uh, the priest Eli had a little boy named Samuel living with him. His mother had been barren, couldn't have a child, and praying for a child, and finally she has a son. And the, she gives the son to the house of God. And because Eli's sons were living ungodly, the Spirit of God couldn't speak. In fact, the Bible says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Let's pray that the word of the Lord is never rare in these days. Amen. And the voice of God said, Samuel. And Samuel gets out of bed, goes to the prophet, the priest. He says, sir, did you call me? He said, no. It happened twice. The third time it happened, the, the man of God said, next time you hear that voice, say, Lord, I'm here. What do you want? And the third time, the Spirit of God said, look up the word come. And I did. And I turned to my Greek analytic or exhaustive concordance. The word is erkomahi, erkomahi. Everybody say it, erkomahi. Erkomahi. It is the middle voice of a primary verb. Number one, it's a verb. Everybody knows what a verb is. It's an action, correct? All right. It is the middle voice of a primary verb. Used only. Did you like that? Used. I should get you to repeat that. Used. Here it comes. All right. Only in the present tense and the imperfect tenses. Well, last week we learned that the present tense means it has come and we are consequently, because it came, we are experiencing it today. We are benefiting from it today. That's the perfect tense in the Greek. And by the way, that corresponds to the perfect tense in English. But the imperfect tense says that it, uh, it always describes something that happened in the past, just like the present tense, but it also describes something that is still happening. So the perfect tense says it happened in the past and because it happened in the past and it is now, we enjoy the benefits of it. The imperfect tense says it happened in the past and it's still happening. Hello? I jumped and I'm jumping and it's still happening until I run out of energy. All right, you're going to make me work today. <laughs> Erkomahi is a primary verb. It's only used in the present tense and the imperfect tense. So, in essence, what Jesus said in this one simple little word that we gloss over and we lose the depth of the meaning in translation, we often think it's... Off in the future, thy kingdom come, please. What Jesus was actually saying in the Greek, Father, your name be blessed and honored. Guys, that's it. Put it on the screen. Number one, your kingdom has come. Number two, consequently, we are enjoying the benefits of it now. Number three, your kingdom is still coming in the sense that its benefits are still spreading to more and more people. And number four, your kingdom is still coming in the sense that the physical aspect of your kingdom will be reestablished here on earth. Now, I'm going to prove that to you. And the reason why I'm going to prove that to you, and you might be saying, Pastor, you're splitting hairs. No, no. The devil is very cunning. 
The devil is very clever. And I told you last week that the devil will try to reduce the gospel to the lowest common denominator that everybody can agree on. The devil is a thief and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can take 99% of the powerful impact of the gospel and rob it from us, he will. And I told you last week that we've been robbed from pulpits across America and across the world because we've preached the gospel of repent, get born again, and you have a ticket to heaven. And Jesus came preaching, the kingdom of God is here. There's a new sheriff in town. We are no longer the uh, putt-putt ball of demons to make sport with. We have been elevated and exited out of the kingdom of darkness. We have entered the kingdom of heaven and we live under the rulership and the lordship of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. While the rest of the world is floundering under the effects of the government of Satan, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You and I have been exited out of that world. And we have been born again into the last Adam, and the government is on his shoulders. We live under the government of Jesus Christ. We live in the kingdom of God today. And Jesus told his disciples, they were waiting for a Messiah. They wanted to see the golden age of David's kingdom restored. They kept looking for a prophet who would overthrow the Roman Empire so that Israel could be great again. And Jesus said, go tell them. The kingdom of God is here. He, he, he had to say to people one time, it doesn't come with visual, visual observation." You can't say it's there or it's here. It hasn't come in its physical sense yet. But the kingdom of God is within you. Amen. Can I ask you a question? Where is there life? In the body or in the spirit? When you take the spirit out of the body, it's dead. The body is a casing that showcases the life of the spirit that's on the inside. So where is the reality of your life? In the, in the flesh that carries your lipstick if you're a woman and your earrings? In the flesh that carries your six pack if you're a guy? Did you know that I have progressed on from having a six pack and now I have a whole barrel. <laughs> Don't laugh too hard, some of you look just like me. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> the kingdom of God is now and it's here. And so when Jesus said, pray, your kingdom come, it was not a futuristic statement. It's not a prayer that miserable beggars pray. I am so oppressed. Life is so hard. Oh, God, blessed be your name. Your kingdom come quick. No, it's a declaration. You have to understand the perfect tense and the imperfect tense and it literally means your kingdom has come and as a result that it has come, we are benefiting from it today and it has come and it is advancing, it is still coming because more and more people are coming into the experience and the power of the kingdom of God and it is coming in the sense that the whole earth is gonna get filled with the glory of God. That is the death toll to the kingdom of darkness. Amen. And so Jesus is teaching us to pray. He's trying to get us into focus. He's trying to get us into a mindset that understands we are declaring now is the kingdom of God. Our Father, blessed be your name. And I can go through all of your names that declare your character traits. 
But I'm going to declare right now, the kingdom of God is here. It has come, and I live in it, and I drink from it, and I eat from it. I work under it, and I live through life consciously aware your kingdom has come, and it's growing. It's growing, and the power of your kingdom is touching more and more people, and I declare, devil, your days are numbered because the glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth, and his kingdom will literally take over the whole earth. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. The imperfect tense. Let me prove this to you. Let me prove what I'm saying about the word come and about the word near. Tell them the kingdom of God is near. I told you the perfect tense means it is here. And because it has come, we benefit from it. Watch this here. I'm going to prove this to you through a situational conversation that took place between the disciples and Jesus just before Jesus ascended into heaven. Now, the whole time he was here, according to the gospel writers, Jesus increased the number of disciples, and he told them all the same thing. Go into every town and make a declaration. The kingdom you were waiting for, it's here. It's invisible. We are no longer under the government of demons because of the first Adam, we are now under the, king, the, the government of the kingdom of God because of the last Adam, Jesus Christ. That's why we can pray for you and you will be healed in Jesus' name. That's why we can bless you and your house will be blessed because we're not under chains and irons and a, a ball and chain anymore. We have been set free. We live in a world that is, within a world, we live in the kingdom of God on earth. Now, they had been preaching that. We saw this clearly last week. In Acts chapter 1, verse, verse 6 to 7. You see, Jesus dies, and at first the disciples didn't get it. All of a sudden, wait a minute. We were in the middle of this kingdom telling everyone the kingdom is gone, it has come, and now the king's gone. They didn't understand that for him to complete this work, he had to die and resurrect. And in doing so, he was paying the price to purchase, to buy back, to redeem every human being who ever calls on his name. They didn't understand that. Jesus rises from the dead. He's with them for about 50 days. He's going to exit because the Holy Ghost is going to come. 50 comes from the word penta. Pentecost is uh, the feast of 50 years. The Holy Ghost is about to come on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus says to them, listen to this, Acts chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. Then they gathered around them and said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now that doesn't make sense. Unless you understand the perfect tense and the imperfect tense. These guys were preaching the kingdom of God is here. That's why you can be healed. That's why you can enjoy the benefits. There's a new sheriff in town. He's Lord Jesus Christ. King of kings, Lord of lords. Every curse from the fall no longer has to live in you. And you don't have to be crippled by the curses of a fallen world. A savior came. He has redeemed us from the curse. They had been preaching this for the three and a half years. Now they say, Jesus, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? They understand the kingdom is here in a spiritual sense. But they also understand that the word of God teaches from the Old Testament and it's repeated throughout the New Testament that a day is coming where God will remake the earth or renew the earth and heaven and earth will kiss again. And that realm in the first heavens where demons ruled will be gone. And sin will no longer separate earth and heaven and in the revelations, it makes it very clear that God's throne will be on the earth 
and that kings and leaders. It literally says this in Isaiah 61 in a prophecy, and it says it in Revelation chapter 21, that the leaders of nations and governors will bring the produce of their nations into the holy city and lay it at God's feet as an offering. They said to him, when are you going to restore the physical kingdom to Israel? And Jesus assents to the fact, yes, the kingdom of God is, is, is here. He's the one who taught them. He's the one who gave them the present tense. And in the Lord's Prayer, he's the one who showed them the imperfect tense. It's still coming. And he gives assent to what they're saying by answering now, uh, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set by his own authority. In other words, guys, you're right. The kingdom of God is here right now. And the, the life of a thing is not in the shape or the outward demonstration. The life of a thing is in the spirit. The kingdom of God is here in spirit. It is no more here when it's here physically than when it's here spiritually. Hello, are you hearing me? Absolutely. Every one of us, unless Jesus comes back first, we will die and this will rot. But immediately, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So according to God's culture, where is their life? Life is in the spirit. It's the spirit that has life. The outward manifestation that we see is the structure but the life is in the spirit. An earthly kingdom will be established and it will cover the whole earth, but that doesn't diminish the reality. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is now. Can I get an agreement? Are you with me? Are you understanding this? Come on. I want to hear a praise God, a, a clap, a shout. Come on. Jesus, who taught the good news that the kingdom of God has come, and therefore we can enjoy the benefits of it now, acknowledges that in a sense it is yet to come in a, in a physical way. By answering, it's not for you to know the times and dates. Preach, it is here. And prove it. Heal the sick. Cast out devils. Show them. They don't live under the government of Satan anymore. But yet, it is to come in a physical sense. I want to put this next thing up on the screen. I want you to see this. Jesus didn't teach his disciples to pray some pathetic, hopeful, wishful plea that God's kingdom will come sometime in the future. We have recited the Lord's Prayer futuristic. I, I mentioned this the other week in one of my sermons. One of the demonic strategies is to take present realities from God and throw them off into the future. Why? Because if you throw a revelation off into the future, you'll never benefit from it today. Hello? If I tell you that I won the last lottery which I did not, please don't call me. Six billion dollars. And I tell you, I'm going to give you a million dollars today, right now, for the first person who raises their hand. Okay? Now, I made that promise, theoretically, hypothetically, publicly. And a voice in your head says, yeah, when I'm dead and gone... I'll get my million dollars in heaven. Would you benefit from it today if you believed that? You wouldn't. And the devil does that with religion all the time. He's constantly throwing. Look, you got to understand something. One of God's name is I am that I am. Not I'm going to be. God is never a going to be. Faith calls things that are not as though they already are. God is always in the present tense. Revelation is in the present tense. But the devil knows that if you get it in the present tense, you're going to change and he can't manipulate you and control you anymore. 
He doesn't want the church to live in the present tense of the revelation of the word of God. If you keep projecting it off into the future, he could keep smacking you around and beating you up and stepping on you. I said this the other day. Jesus said to Mary and Martha, your brother will rise. They had watched him raise a little girl from the dead. Jarius the temple priest, one of the priests in the temple, his daughter died. This guy believed in Jesus. He heard the stories. He comes to Jesus and said, my daughter is about to die. They get to the house, she's dead. And Jesus reaches to the, to the little girl in the bed and he takes her hand. And in Greek, he says, talite kome, little girl arise. Mary and Martha were lovers of Jesus not in the sexual sense. They loved him dearly. They followed him everywhere. You want to tell me they didn't know this story? You want to tell me that there was a funeral procession going through town and this widow had no husband? Her, she's a widow. Her only son is dead. And Jesus is walking through town and he stops the funeral procession and he raises the young man from the dead so that her, his mother can have a future and have a son and someone who's going to love her and protect her and look after her you want to tell me Mary and Martha didn't know this what happens is religion gets into our head and it projects the blessing of God into the future so that we're always hoping always reaching always struggling and we're always the beggar waiting for something to come Mary and Martha turned to Jesus and they said we know he will rise in the resurrection When's the resurrection? I don't know. You don't know. All we know is it's sometime in the future. Oh, how the devil loves that doctrine. Sometime in the future. Sometime in the future. You know what the doctrine of sometime in the future means? It means you're not going to be a threat to the kingdom of yes, darkness yes. today. Amen. And the devil wants to take the word of God and submit it to a perverted translation called sometime in the future. And yet, God's name is, I am that I am. He is the God of the present tense. The kingdom of God has come. And because it has come, the captives have been set free. There is victory. There is deliverance. He will heal us and he will take oppression off of us now. Amen. Come on, somebody get happy. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. You realize, if church has to be 60 minutes, you would have missed all the good bits. Not that the worship aren't good bits. How are you going to get to the meat of the word? If we're going to give in to our flesh, and we tell God, you got 60 minutes, so hurry up. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. <laughs> So I said, if you would put the last screen up again, Jesus didn't take, I, I have learned I'm not a good note taker. When I'm at conferences, I really stink at taking notes. I pull my phone out and I take a picture of what's on the screen. I give you permission if you want to. You can take pictures of anything that comes up on the screen. Jesus didn't teach his disciples to pray some pathetic, hopeful, wishful plea that God's kingdom will come sometime in the future. We're going to go to the next screen. He taught them, let's have the next screen. He taught them to make a declaration. This is not a plea. It's not a prayer in the sense of being a plea. It's a prayer in the sense of being a declaration. He says, this is how you should pray. He taught them to make a declaration. Pray like this, guys. Father, 
blessed be your name, your kingdom has come, and the benefits of your kingdom are available to me and my family right now. And the devil can't stop it because more and more people are coming into the active experience of your kingdom daily, and Satan's days are, not, are coming to an end because the whole earth will be filled with God's glory and, his, and the whole and his physical kingdom will fill all the earth. Verse 10 continues in Matthew's gospel, and it says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we're praying and begging for the kingdom of God to come sometime in the future, then forget about praying and say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But when you understand the perfect tense and the imperfect tense, and you understand the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, then you can pray, God, your kingdom is here and now. I am getting back in a focus. I have listened to Fox News too much. I've listened to CNN too much. I've listened to all my friends too much. I'm going to refocus. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Father, your name is wonderful. Your kingdom has come. It is here. It is now. I am living in it. I'm not under the governments of the world. This world doesn't control me. This world doesn't own me. This world doesn't write my destiny. My name is written in heaven, and my destiny is written in heaven. Today is your kingdom, and your kingdom is here. Your kingdom is now. Therefore, let your will be done on earth the way it is in heaven. Jesus doesn't say, thank you, Russ. I recognize your voice. I can barely see you. I got so much sweat in my eyes. I feel like one of those sheepdogs, you know, with the hair down. I guess you... Matthew continues to write what Jesus said. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus doesn't say, listen to this, this is important. Jesus doesn't say, God, your will be done on earth, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. Do you know most of us pray like that? We're in a fog about what God's will is. You know what God's will is? That you prosper in your spirit and in your soul and in your physical body. And prosper doesn't look like half dying. Paul says this is the will of God, that you prosper in your spirit, in your soul, in the realm of your mind, oppression, depression, obsessive, paralyzing thoughts of paranoia and fear, don't belong in the realm of your mind because the will of God is for you to prosper in your spirit and in your soul. That's your mind and your emotions and in your physical body. Jesus doesn't say, God, your will be done on earth, whatever that is and whatever it looks like. No! He ties that statement, the will of God. He ties it to the will of God in heaven. I didn't make this up, therefore I'm not going to apologize. I'm going to stand behind Jesus and say, he said it. You want to argue with me? He said it. He ties the will of God to the will of God in heaven. Why? Because the kingdom of God on earth is the same as the kingdom of God in heaven. Some of us religiously still trying to wrap our minds around that also. It's two different places. In the restoration of all things, the first heavens where the demons live is gone and heaven and earth will come back together again. And as it is in heaven, it will normally be on earth. But until that physicality comes to pass, it is still a reality in the realm of the spirit. Amen. 
Jim, how am I doing? Pat, where's Pat? How am I doing? Good old Irish guy. I finally got to talk to these guys last week, and uh, that's why we had the lunch for all the new people. How are you doing, Mercedes? Dee Dee? Am I doing all right? I see you got a friend with you. Hi, thank you, John. This is John Crescenti. Everybody say hello to John. Yeah, praise God. Listen, church. G'day, sweetie. I always get this excited. Actually, I just slide. Sometimes I get more excited. I haven't reached max yet. In fact, I don't even know what max is yet. I surprised myself. <laughs> yeah, praise God. You see, religion will have us praying like beggars. Our Father, who is in heaven, oh man, I'm looking forward for the day when your kingdom comes. Give us this day, my daily bread. Just, can you just eke out a little piece of me for me so I can have some bread and water? I thank you, God. I live on bread and water. And we have this religious concept that the kingdom of God is in the future. And we don't get to enjoy anything. We got to tough it out on earth because that's how God gets glory. When we're miserable and we look like we want to die and go home. And when we can't even blow over a weed, God's glorified. Will you please find me a verse that says that? When I look like my creator and I act like my father and when I am experiencing what Jesus said and the devil is under my feet, when I stand up and I rebuke the wind and the waves and I say, devil, go back to hell because that's where you belong. When I know who I am in Jesus Christ, God puffs his shoulders back and his chest comes out and he feels glory. Yeah. Why? Because he made all that happen. Amen. But the gospel of religion or the spirit of religion, everybody repeat after me, I don't want a religious spirit. In fact, we're going to get really bold here. Are you ready to follow me? Religious demons from my past. I don't want to listen to you anymore. You perverted the gospel and you have robbed me from the present realities of blessings that had my name written all over it because the blood of Jesus was all over it. And you're not going to rob me anymore. I rebuke the spirit of religion. And I receive the spirit of life from Jesus Christ. And everyone said amen, and they got excited. Come on. Praise God. When he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it's a declaration. Why is it a declaration? Because it's meant to produce a mindset that focuses on the reality that the kingdom of God is here. Amen. Give us today our daily bread. You know, what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, and I'm rounding up now. We pray, God, give me my daily bread. And we have such an impoverished mentality. God's just going to give me what I need to exist, bread and water. Give me my daily bread. Oh, I'm so glad. I've learned to be appreciative. God, it is awfully kind of you to just give me bread and water. When Jesus said, pray, Father, give us our daily bread. He said that because a couple of chapters earlier, he said, man doesn't live on bread only. 
He lives. His existence is founded on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. In fact, if we take it into context, Jesus is in the wilderness. The Holy Spirit told him to fast. The devil comes to him to tempt him in numerous ways. He tempted him in three direct areas, areas that the first Adam fell in. And the Spirit told Jesus to fast. And so the devil comes to him and he wants him to disobey the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God only ever says what the Father says. And so the father said, go on a fast. It was conveyed to the son by the spirit. So the devil comes and says, hey, you could turn that stone into bread. Come on, Jesus. Break the divine order so I have the right to continue ungodly disorder. The word of the Lord said, fast. The devil is challenging him to not obey the word of the Lord. And Jesus looks at the devil knowing full well he's in a fast. Jesus is in a fast and he is hungry. He is hungry. At this point in time in his fast, he's thinking, I know Rob Scarallo isn't born yet, but man, I want a piece of his lasagna. <laughs> and as hungry as he is in the flesh, naturally, he says, devil, man doesn't live on bread only. My existence, my success, the outcome of my life today and tomorrow isn't based on bread. My existence today and tomorrow, who I am and everything I become is based on every word that is written in the word of God. This is a principle. So when Jesus says, give us our daily bread, he's not talking to a miserable God that can barely give us a little bit of bread and water. He's talking about a God who says, you don't just live on bread, you live on every word that comes out of my mouth. Can I get an amen? Come on, are you with me, church? Absolutely. I'm using Jesus' words. I'm speaking his language. Well, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20, this is what the Apostle Paul says, this is my last scripture. No matter how many promises God has made, do you know that in the word of God, biblical scholars have written down 750 different categories of promises. And then there are multiple scriptures that fill each of those 750 categories. So no matter how many promises God has made, he's not a politician. Pro uh, politicians make promises and they campaign on their promises and hardly ever perform. You can get offended if you want, but all of history backs me up. I'm not into the governments of men. I am an American and I will vote and I have political opinions. But it is so secondary to the gospel of the kingdom of God. The White House isn't going to change America. The White House, no matter what party's in, isn't going to change the heart of one human being. In fact, most of their policies just create other problems. In their best strength, they try to get it right. But how many of you know you cannot fix with human policies what demons have embroiled? Come on, I want an amen. You can't fix by human effort what demons have engineered. It's by the blood of Jesus and only the blood of Jesus. This is what Paul says. No matter how many promises God has made, and he's made a ton, they always are yes in Jesus Christ. You see, this is why I get sad, you know. We, we want to rush people in and out of church, but there's so much stuff that people don't know, and therefore you cannot step into living in the kingdom of God because you don't know the principles. There is a principle in the Bible that says blood speaks. Did you know that? There's a principle in the Bible that says blood speaks. 
And in Hebrews it says, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. There were two brothers, Cain and Abel. Adam and Eve had two sons. And Cain was jealous of Abel because God's favor was on Abel and not on Cain. And that's another whole sermon. I can give you a logical reason from Scripture. Cain kills Abel. And in the book of Hebrews, it says the blood of Abel, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. That means the blood of Jesus speaks and the blood of Abel speaks. And the blood of Abel cries out for justice because innocent blood was shed. But the blood of Jesus, which is also innocent blood, cries out for deliverance and freedom for all of humanity. And so Paul says, with this principle in mind, Paul says, though the promises of God are many, and they are many, there are promises that speak healing to cancer, promises that break hereditary curses. The word of God is full of great promises. And Paul says, no matter. Remember, Jesus said, man doesn't live on bread alone. He lives on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Paul says, though out of the mouth of God come so many promises, they fill 750 categories of human life. Though there are that many promises, the blood of Jesus says yes to every one of them. Yes. Keep that verse up on the screen. Come on, don't take it down. I want them to have it before them. Thank you, guys. The blood of Jesus. So when you read a promise that God will provide a provide for you and help you through a financial struggle and you're saying God this is what your word says and, and and I'm believing it the blood of Jesus says yes I was shed on the cross to break the curse and when you read a promise that says you and your whole family will be saved oh God save my backslidden son the blood of Jesus screams and it says yes I shed my blood on the cross so that you and all of your family can be saved. Hallelujah. When you stand on the promise of God and it says, by his stripes, you were healed. The blood of Jesus says, yes. But that's only half the verse. God makes the promise and the blood of Jesus screams through the heavens in agreement with the Father. But then Paul says, and so through Christ, the amen is spoken by us, the church. Do you know what amen means? So be it. That's the King James Version. I'm going to give you the today version. Amen means... That's how it is, folks. That's how it is. God says it. That's how it is. But, 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 that's how it is. But did you hear what they said on the news today? That's how it is. God said it. Jesus is saying yes through his blood. And I'm saying that's how it is for Rob Scarallo. That's how it is for me and my house. That's how it is for you. The church has to come into agreement. The son is in agreement with the father. Now let the sons of God on earth come into agreement with the blood of Jesus. That's how it is. You see, we don't live on bread alone. He didn't tell us to beg like a pauper, to pray like a pauper. And so I conclude my message this morning with a question. I want you to understand the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God means that the whole earth was under the tyranny of demons. And they invented every kind of disease, every kind of sickness, every kind of cruelty. But a new sheriff came. A new king came. And he went to the cross to heal you of every stinking last cell of cancer. 
He came to the cross to say, I am fed up with Satan ruling and messing up what God created. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy, but I am the liberator. I came to give life and life more abundantly. Hallelujah. 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 We go to the doctor and he prophesies according to what he sees by the dunamis of demons. And we go home and we repeat that prophecy. Oh, I got three weeks left to live. Oh, I have arthritis and it's never going to go away. Oh, I have Crohn's disease and I'm never going to be made well. You know, my doctor told me 30 years ago when I was in the prime of my life, you have an acute case of Crohn's disease. It is so acute and there was nothing cute about it, but nonetheless, he said, it is so acute. He said, they will be cutting out your intestines stage by stage until you're on a bag, a colostomy bag, and eventually it will take your life. And I walked out of that, that doctor's office, and I said, Father, it may not be for everybody else, but the, what he said is not for me. I'm not accepting that verdict. Now, I'm not telling you to do that if you don't have the faith to back it up. But I was raised on the word of God is more real than what my eyes see. I was raised on the fact that the word of God is more real than what my emotions feel. If there is one constant tangible thing, it is the word of God. Kingdoms will come and kingdoms will go. Fads will come and fads will go. Promises will come and promises will be broken. But not one jot, not one tittle, not one alphabetical stroke of the Hebrew language will disappear from the word of God. My word, God says, will stand forever and when kingdoms collapse when philosophies demise when people are in turmoil the truth of the truth of God will remain the constant because truth can never be anything but the truth hallelujah give us this day our daily bread you know what my daily bread is Every one of those 750 categories of promises in the Word of God. It's not some beggarly prayer for a little bit of bread and water. It's a statement of faith. I don't live on bread, physical sense alone. I live on the bread of the Word of God. And every promise is mine. And the blood of Jesus is saying, yes, yes, yes. And I'm saying, that's how it is, folks. That's how it is. Would you stand with me? Now I think I did a pretty fine job today. Okay, stop, stop. But I think Jesus did a phenomenal job. Come on, come on. Come on. I'm only telling the story. He wrote it. The truth of God is powerful. We're going to close in prayer. I want everyone to close your eyes. Jesus said, you do have to repent. All of us have sinned. All of us are screwed up. We've all done things we regret. We've all done things that break God's divine laws. Jesus said, come to me. I want to bring order back into your life. I want to set you free. I want to lift those demons off of your back. You, 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 you've been asking, you've been Praying, God, how do I get these demons off my back? Jesus wants to come to your town, your heart, your life, the center point of who you are. He wants to take those demons off of your back. Literally, someone here has thought those very thoughts, and God is talking to you today. No, nobody told me. The Holy Spirit told me. Start to play softly. The Holy Ghost told me. God loves you. 
He's got your number. And so does the devil. And the devil wants to destroy your number. But God wants to set you free. Amen. He wants to set you free. And the only way to get set free is to say no to the kingdom of darkness. And say yes to the king of the kingdom of God. Every eye closed. I'm talking to you. If you want that monkey off your back, you want that demon off your life, you're tired of fighting thin air and still losing, then let Jesus become Lord of your life. Amen. Amen. Well, every eye is closed. If you want this relationship with Jesus, you want him coming into your life, come on, raise your hand right now. Come on, raise your hand. I see... I see that hand, thank you. I see another hand up the back, thank you. I see that hand, thank you. Who else wants to say yes to Jesus today? He'll take you out of the sphere of influence of Satan's kingdom and bring you into the kingdom of God. Amen. Anyone else wants to say yes to Jesus? I see your hand, you can put it down. Who else? Put your hand up. I believe three people so far today are saying yes to Jesus. That is awesome. That is awesome. It's not by our doing. That's the Spirit of God speaking in people's lives. Church, do you realize week by week by week, we're seeing the Holy Spirit bring people into the kingdom of heaven. It is fantastic. Give these people a big round of applause. Amen. I want, I want all those that I, I texted this morning to come out the front and get ready to pray for people. We're going to open the altar and pray for people's needs. If you need someone to agree with you for a healing, a deliverance, an unsafe family member, in a moment I'm going to invite you to come. But those of you that raised your hands, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Close your eyes. Dear God, thank you for actually caring about the hell I've lived thank you for loving me thank you for sending Jesus Jesus Christ I believe you are God in the flesh and you died on that cross for me Jesus Christ I accept you. I want you. I receive you. I welcome you. Come into my life. Lead. Take control. Show me the way. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me by that blood that you shed so that your blood will speak over my life. Redeemed from the curse and set free. Thank you, God, for salvation. Amen. Now, if you raise your hand, yeah, give them a hand. Go on, give them a round of applause.